they, the hardest thing is that clients quite often don't like doing the exercises. They just want <laughs> to do to give them either a magic pill or to just rub it or do something to it. And they don't have to do the hard work. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome to Detouring, a podcast about people who've changed their careers. My name is Thiago and I'm your host. Today, I'm here with Heidi and she used to be a physiotherapist and she's now a designer. Do you want to say hi, Heidi? Hi there. Hi, everyone. So I've been doing something new where I ask people what did they want to be when they were a child. Do you remember? I do. And that I wanted to be a veterinarian. I think the thing I love the most is, is animals. And uh, that was definitely uh, high on my sort of and I remember people asking me aunties and uncles when I was younger what are you going to be when you grow up and I also used to say oh I think I'm going to be a veterinarian because I think I really would like to make animals better <laughs> so you know, I always had that sort of in the back of my mind and in going through school thinking that that would definitely be a possibility as far as where I direct my education but fortunately before I started university I had an opportunity to do some sort of training or apprenticeship in a, a veterinary's office for mm -hmm. six weeks through my school holidays and that allowed me to sort of realize that as much as I really liked the idea the reality of actually being there I actually was quite traumatized by the whole experience and I think it, the problem is, it's a, it's a really weird thing to say. I, I know people think it's a really, not a very nice thing to say, but I actually think I'm more empathetic towards animals than I am humans. <laughs> and so, I, I know that sounds awful, but I was generally very, very upset when I saw animals brought in, in very bad conditions. And I remember, I think the last thing that sort of broke me was this poor dog that had its leg stuck in a lawnmower or got trapped in oh. and its paw was hanging off and, and the poor thing was in just such a horrible condition. And I remember going home and driving home in the car and crying my eyes out. And I was literally, within that six-week period, I think I cried every day. I found it really quite emotional and um, I, I just thought, mm, maybe maybe this is not for me after all. So um, then I sort of started thinking about alternatives that I could possibly do. And that's what that's what got you thinking maybe to go into, instead of you know treating animals, you treat a specific kind of animal that, that is the human. That's right. I thought it was generally um, easier for me and I wouldn't be so traumatized by it. But yes, I think I've always had a caring nature and I've always sort of, you know thought that within a caring profession i would i would do quite well but uh then i think also i also had a very creative streak to me and i always as a child again if i think back of things i always loved to do i was always making things and i was always very good with colors i remember i always did the best coloring in out of all of my cousins and that <laughs> And I was always very creative. I know with games, people would always, you know, also crafts and things people would give me for presents. I just generally loved doing things like that. But the, the reality is I had parents that needed not have gone to university and both her middle class and worked really, really hard. And so their dream was the fact is their one and only daughter was going to go to university. So 
when I proposed the idea that maybe I could go to design school and, and do something within the design sector, it, it really frightened them because they didn't really sort of see that as a proper job. And they really wanted me to go to university to get a proper degree that had a, you know, a secure profession. And they thought that those, that sort of creative side of me was something I could sort of just sort of play with on the side, but I really needed to go to university and get a proper job. So mm-hmm. uh, what I would sort of say to kids out there now and that uh, I basically, you know, I chose physiotherapy, but I don't think I did the due diligence as far as really looking into the career and really, uh, you know, understanding it that much. You know, I think, you know, we have such little knowledge at that stage in our life and to make a, a career path decision that you're going to embark on for your whole life, I think is really, really difficult because I didn't have enough life experience to really sort of make those decisions. Yeah. Basically, you know, when I went to a guidance counsellor and she saw where I was academically strong at and I said, oh, I quite like helping people, I like working with people, you know, she sort of put sort of two and two together and said, oh, well, I think maybe you should consider sort of nursing or physiotherapy and then and then they obviously the other thing that came up was going into medicine but I needed to get a preliminary degree to get into medicine so they they, they were kind of a thing in the back of my mind was I'll do physiotherapy and that that would be a good career and the the job market was really really strong so I'd be very employable and then um, the idea was that if I finished my physio degree and I wanted to maybe apply for medicine that was a good degree to apply to medicine with so mm. kind of kept that option open for me also my, my wife used to be a physiotherapist as well and she it sounds like it's exactly the same your stories are so similar but you, you were just talking about like uh, that at such a young age we don't have the experience yet to know what we want to do but you were lucky that you had already did that experience as a veterinarian yes yes that could have been even a bigger mistake. I could have yeah. done a veterinary program for seven years and then got to the end of it. So, uh, yes, so you're absolutely right. It uh, saved me from going down a very hard degree program that would have cost a lot more money and uh, it would have been a much more difficult sort of mm. return to sort of give up that having had to work so hard. So, um, yeah, so maybe there was a silver cloud there. You did physiotherapy and you did that for quite a number of years, right? I did. I graduated and uh, I practiced for 10 years, uh, embraced it. For the most part, I actually, I did like it. There was, I realized quite early on in practicing what areas I wanted to specialize in. And so directed myself to orthopedics. I didn't particularly like working in the hospital environment and that uh, it's funny. I think I always say to people, natural environments where, you know, you thrive in, you're like a plant, you know, some like dry conditions, wet conditions. I realized very early on when I was doing my internships while I was going through the program, the hospital environment wasn't for me. I did not like being in a hospital environment. I actually am somebody that never likes going to the doctors or going to the hospital. Uh, I, I just don't. And then, and then the combination, I'm quite smell sensitive. So smelling the dinners at lunchtime and just the odors and just the whole environment itself it didn't really, um, I did, it didn't really sort of fit with me. I really didn't like it. So obviously I, I realized that I would like to work in private practice outside of the hospital in private clinics, which mm. I didn't have to, I didn't have those elements to deal with, which I was much happier on. So yeah, so I was quite lucky that I could find the area of specialty, specialty I liked and in the environment I liked. And so I think that's what allowed me to do it for 10 years and, and, and enjoy it for the most part. But obviously, after 10 years, 
I pretty much got to the point in my career where I really couldn't take it any further. That was about as, as far as I was going to go, as far as my learning curve. And, and that's when I started getting to the point of thinking, mm, is, is this it? You know, that moment yeah. you think, oh my God, is this it? Is this, is this all I'm going to get to do? And this is all I'm going to get to learn. And I've seen it all and I've basically done it all and, and that's it. And unfortunately with physiotherapy, you know, a lot of this progression, so there's not a real hierarchy of progression. You kind of can maybe go up a little bit, but there isn't a really a lot of other mm. options for you available where to go with your career. You're pretty much there. So that's when I started thinking, mm. Maybe it's worth... Uh, just covering a little bit, what does a physiotherapist actually do? I think there's a lot of misconceptions and my wife keeps talking about that. It's like, oh, physiotherapy is not just giving massages. There's so much more to it. Uh, yes. Can you can you explain a little bit more? Yeah, I think most people, the general public, would associate physiotherapy with sports-related type of a field, mm. much like, you know, football players have physiotherapists that when they get injured, they have physiotherapy treatment, whether it's a, a joint problem or a ligament or a muscular type problem and that and that is kind of the orthopedic area I practiced in so that was sort of what what I kind of did every day but in physiotherapy there are so many different areas so you can work in a neurological capacity where you're working with uh, patients that have had strokes or had um, head injuries in which you're retraining them to to speak and to walk and to use you know to, to start you know allowing them to live independently again so that again is a very different sector and again there's there there is so many other areas there's also the cardiovascular side of physiotherapy where you can specialize in working with patients that have got cardiovascular conditions now i'm just sort of you know with pneumonia and with um, cystic fibrosis and treating and, and applying physiotherapy to to help that sort of type of uh, a sector so and, and i'm sure there's many more that i just can't think of in the area but <laughs> Physiotherapy is quite a broad area, and I think, again, like most things now, that you generally have to, after you graduate, the thing is that you kind of have to sort of pick one of those areas, which has been unfortunate, really. I guess maybe if you worked within the hospital environment, you might be able to get a little bit of taste of all areas and sort of do, you know, a certain amount of time in each sort of area. But... If you're working in the outpatient outside of that environment, you very much have to you specialize and pick a specialty area. Yeah. 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 So my wife, I think she, she specializes in women's health. Correct. Which completely a different completely area. different as well. And it's quite a new area. See, I didn't, I, when your wife described to me what she did, that wasn't anything that I'd ever had in my curriculum or anything that I really was familiar with at all. So again, new sectors are developing and uh, so that was really really interesting mm. there's a lot of things that uh, are conditions in the body that um, a lot of people just think oh let's just go for surgery get it sorted but a lot of it is like muscular problems and if you just get the muscles strong the body naturally puts things in the right place and you can you know carry on I learned a lot, you know, just living with somebody <laughs> that, that has that kind of knowledge. It's true. So many uh, conditions and injuries that people have. Even recently, I've had a bursitis in my right hip. I thought taking anti-inflammatories was going to settle it down. And I, and I thought taking a two-week course of anti-inflammatories, it would cure it. And it didn't cure it. And I actually, even though I'm a physiotherapist, I went to see a physiotherapist just to have somebody do a few tests on me that I couldn't do on myself just to confirm. And then mm. just again, you know, I haven't practiced for so many years. I just wanted to talk to somebody about 
what to do and what exercises to do. And, and yes, I have treated it successfully purely by doing the right exercises and avoiding doing some of the things that I shouldn't have been doing. Yeah, I've had um, yeah. a thing like with my hip it was basically because my left leg muscle wasn't strong enough uh, because my right leg muscle was compensating for it. Okay. And I thought, you know, that no way sounds like it's a thing. And then my wife is like, no, no, do these exercises. So not that I don't believe my wife. I went to see a physiotherapist because, you know, she hadn't practiced for a while. And she told me the exact same thing. And until I did the exercises, pain's gone away. Leg works okay. It's like it's new again. Yes, that's true. The, the, the hardest thing is that clients quite often don't like doing the exercises. They just want <laughs> to do, take, give them either a magic pill or to just rub it or do something to it. <laughs> they don't have to do the hard work. <laughs> but often, getting better, 90% of it is through doing the exercises. Yeah. It is. Yeah, we've got to take care of ourselves. Yes. So you were saying at the end of those 10 years, you were like, is this it? Is there something yeah. else to it? And that's when you started thinking about your previous uh, passion about design. Correct. Correct. And that uh, I just uh, thought, mm, I, I don't think I'm going to be happy doing this for the next 30 years. And that uh, I think I'm going to get quite bored. And I just don't feel as though this is going to be it for me. So, yes. So then I started thinking you know, where my real passions were and and things. And, and obviously, when I was as a physiotherapist, I always took an interest in design and I was always, you know, uh, looking at magazines and looking at buildings and, and, and it was always something that was always at the back of my mind that I always enjoyed very much. Uh, it was quite a scary thing because obviously, you know, I was giving up a, a, a profession which was very stable, which was a good income. And, uh, you know, my parents were very disappointed because they were very nice to uh, pay for my university education. And mm. so they, they felt as though it was a waste of money and da 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 da. So, uh, so yes, it, it was something that I, I had to think quite seriously about as far as actually... Um, uh, doing it but I knew that I was at the age of 30 years old and it was the right time to do it because it was only going it was only affecting myself in the sense that I didn't uh, have a mortgage I didn't have children I didn't have a partner so I wasn't um, uh, inflicted tight. I wasn't tight and I didn't have any obligations that were going to manifest in you know causing repercussions or making it difficult for other people or causing a lot of stress or strain or whatever. So, you know, it was it was only myself that was going to have to, you know, go back to living like a student and, you know, giving up the car and re-educating and, and starting again, really. But, you know, I was fortunate in that uh, it was, you know, uh, the best thing I did. It, and, and, you know, it is really, really frightening. And, you know, people, quite, you know, quite a lot of people, I, I really empathise with, they are doing things that they typically don't want to do and are bored or are not fulfilled but when you've got mortgages and you've got commitments in life you don't unfortunately sometimes have that flexibility to say mm, I'd like to try something different and mm. so I, I feel as I'm very fortunate that I did have that ability to do that so that was good yeah and you mentioned that thing about starting again how was that feeling like you retrained again you went to university again or, or... I went back and that, uh, so I went back to design school 
Yeah, no, I, it was a, I, I don't know, it was a bit of a light bulb moment. You know, when somebody, you feel as though all your life that people have talked to you, and it goes in, and obviously I was bright enough at university that, and I have a good memory, that, you know, I can take all this stuff in and I can learn it and, and you know, and I can do it. Um, when it came to when I, people were talking to me about design and things like that, it was like, a, you know, they were, com- they were completely talking my language. <laughs> I didn't really have to think about it. It just sort of was so natural and it just came so easily. And it just was like, a, I don't know, it just, it just such a, a, a moment where things sort of were, I don't know, it just was a perfect fit for me, really. And that so it was joyous learning as opposed to when I was at, you know, when I was going through university. I wouldn't say when I was studying and taking the and taking those courses, I wasn't sitting there thinking, mm, "This is fantastic." It was, uh, you know, it was all right. But when I went to design school, it was it was incredible. So I really enjoyed every minute of it. So that moment, I realised I loved it. And then obviously, when I had to put it into practice, it again, it was just. Uh, I don't know, it just never really felt like a job, which I think is mm. an amazing thing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's the best the best way. The, the best career is the one that you don't really, if you love what you do, you'd never have to work. It doesn't feel like a job, which is, uh, which is really, really good. And it never felt like a job. And I never, ever, on a Sunday night, felt, oh, I've got work tomorrow. And that I never, ever had that feeling. I was generally, every Monday morning, I was really happy to, to go to work, which is mm. fantastic. Yeah, really good feeling. So design is a very broad area. So what, what specifically do, do you do then? Yeah, so I so obviously do interior design and I, I specialize in residential interior design. And then I've even specialized more that I do a lot of kitchen and bathroom work. And that's sort of where a lot of people sort of, you know, come to me for my level of exp- expertise. And that's sort of where my company, I've sort of decided to sort of specialize in that. But I do obviously do more general design, but that is sort of where people regard me as what I kind of do. Mm-hmm. You mentioned that you've got your own company. You'll probably get into that too. But when you came out of design school, is that what you decided to do? I'm going to do build my own company and do the... the... No, I had no I had no ambition really that way. It was really bizarre. I've never, you know, when people say you started your own business and stuff like that. Did, is that always what you wanted to do? And, and no, the answer is that is no. I was never that ambitious. <laughs> <laughs> so no it was just that um it really came it was it was uh, you know obviously when i graduated and it sort of coincided that i moved back to the uk from canada and embarking on new things and i and i started with smallbone which was a high-end kitchen company and, and worked with them and that uh, and then i went on to work for some other high-end companies and it was only when i was sort of in my last job and um, there was lots of problems within the company and so forth. And I generally, it wasn't that I was unhappy with what I was doing and I, and I loved the clients and I loved it, but the, the company infrastructure itself and how the company was ran and, and just things that were going on there were not harmonious and they weren't great. And I didn't like the, the person that I had to report to. So I just, uh, I, I felt the person wasn't making the right decisions to make the company successful and to do the things that were necessary in order to, yeah, to move the, more, the company forward. And it was just a moment that one day he annoyed me so much it was the most bizarre thing. The next day, I, I, I just thought, I'm so unhappy and I just think I can do, I just thought, you know what, I can do this. You know, I've watched 
these people try to even these companies and these businesses for the last six years and I'm sure I can do a better job. <laughs> I really am sure I can do a better job with this. And uh, just the combination of just that, I and then I don't know. Just I could. I just did not like this person, and I just did not like the environment I was working in. So I literally handed in my notice, not having a job to go to, and I came home, and I went, "Oh my God, what have I done? Oh my God!" And now this time I did have a partner, so. I I did have a, a, a cushion, you know, so mm-hmm. to speak, that, uh, you know, I wasn't going to be homeless. But um, it was, uh, yeah, so I just thought, thought, well, you know what, I'm going to give it six months, I'm going to start my own company, and I'm going to give it a go. And I'm going to try it for six months. And if it doesn't work, then I'll go back out and, and go and work for somebody else again. So I never set out to own my own company, or I never sat there and thought, oh, I did. It was just a bizarre situation where I was put in that situation and I just thought, well, I, I just, I'm not happy here and I think I can do it better and I'm going to go and have a try of it. And as it happened, it, it worked around the world. <laughs> well, I think, I think you have to, in the end, you have to like thank this guy uh, for being so horrible to push you into starting your own company. Exactly, because if that person wasn't that much of an idiot, you're right. Uh, you're absolutely right. I would never have moved. I would have just been happier because uh, I didn't. I really didn't have that drive to start my own business, and that. Uh, and I didn't, to be honest. I I would have been so frightened to do it because I would have thought, oh, I don't. I don't think I have all the necessary skills to do that. But it's amazing when you're put in the situation and you have to do it. You learn pretty quick. That's for sure. <laughs> and you think, oh my god, I've I've, I've literally got to. Tr- I've just got to do it. I've just. Uh, and see what happens and uh, yeah and mm-hmm. and everybody said to me it's absolutely ridiculous what you're con- you're thinking about doing Heidi you need to you need to have all this money to invest in a showroom and you won't be able to do it without the glossy brochure and you won't be able to do it without you know showing clients these wonderful things and so I said okay you're you're absolutely you're, you might be absolutely right but I said uh, I'll give it a go and see and and to this day I've proved them wrong that I didn't I didn't need all those things to be successful at all how did you do it then? How did you start that Well, out? yeah, because I didn't have the nece- I didn't have a showroom, I didn't have a design studio, anything like that. What I did have was obviously very good clients that I'd previously worked with that were good contacts that I'd built up rapport and trust with and they knew that uh, they'd worked with me in the past and they knew that I was very competent and, you know, I was somebody that would deliver. And so that is basically was the strongest building block I had to put on the table, to be honest. And and I kind of had to work from there and that I spent, I, di- I didn't have the, the resources, the money to, to buy all of the, the necessary sample books and to show the clients everything. So quite often I'd have to go to London and, and go down and resource things and, and go to design centers down in London to put all these things and ideas together and then uh, relate that over to the client. And quite often clients would invest in me without not, me you know really seeing very little at all but it was just my concept of how I'd sort of presented the client and the things I'd show them and how I'd explain to them that they they bought into it and as things generally work if you do a good job it's amazing uh word of mouth and to this date I have the most rubbish website and I am the worst I'm, I'm, I'm the worst 
person on social media. I I hate talking about myself. I hate praising myself. I hate putting anything out there saying, look what how good am I, look what I've done. I just hate it because I've always been brought up completely the opposite that, you know, you should be very polite and understated and I've never been brought up to be brash and really showy and really somebody that likes to sort of flaunt you know, her successes. So yeah, I was really rubbish with all of those things. But as it happened, because I was generally quite good at what I did, all of these people said, oh, you know, my friend is, is doing your house up here and da, 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 da. And, and that is generally, I have never done one bit of advertising in my whole entire career, which is quite incredible. <laughs> I've never been, you know, I've, I've been in magazines purely because I've got editorial because People that, you know, magazines have seen work I've done and have taken photographs and they've wanted to show it in their magazines, but I haven't fought for that magazine right. And uh, I've done really, really, very little. But I always say, you know, sometimes those are the best companies, you know, the ones that don't need to force things down yeah. the road, you know. I think when, when you get to a stage where it's just word of mouth and people come to you rather than you having to reel them in, I mean, you're definitely doing something right. Yeah, I think so. And that, and that was always my cue as far as what I was doing. Uh, that's just kind of how it worked. And I was never out of work. I always just seemed to get one project done. And then, again, there was always a few that were brewing in the background and going to mm. the person. And I just get passed on to, you know, sisters and friends at school gates and so forth. So I was really, I was really, really lucky. And I think also because... I could never, again, because I didn't have great ambitions to have this huge company and have, you know, 15 designers working with me and have a huge design studio. Again, I never had those um, those desires. So I didn't need to advertise because I wasn't needing any more clients. There was only really me. And so I had enough work. So I was quite content at keeping the company and, and not really involving anybody else and just me having total control of it and that you know unfortunately that is my downside I'm a perfectionist and I'm a bit of a <laughs> freak and I didn't see how I could really pass over a lot of what I was doing to somebody else really I thought that was going to just cause a lot of more work for me and and I just thought you know if I'm quite content at what I'm doing at the level I'm doing it the amount of work and the amount of um, income I can generate and I'm happy with that why go and complicate it to try to yeah. you know, bring lots of other costs into the business? And again, that's always what I've done. I've always, you know, again, um, been very savvy as far as keeping all my costs down. I didn't go for showy cars or showy showrooms or anything like that. I always kept things so that, again, I never had to be that hungry for work because I wasn't always driving you know i had to make the sale in order to you know to pay all the rents and to pay all that again i i kept a lot of that stress away from me so that um again it it, it, it worked really really well mm. i found that people who start these businesses sometimes they have these you know illusions of growing things etc etc but then i'm speaking not from experience but from uh, some of my friends they've started their own companies and i know uh, of one of them who who couldn't wait to sell his company so he could start another one and go back to doing the, the hard work, getting his hands dirty in the things. Yes, yes. And hopefully getting a good payout when they uh, sell it and that, uh, <laughs> that uh, doing really well with the sales. Yeah, I didn't. In that, um, in, and like I said, I've always been really happy at the level in which I've ran my business and, uh, and having the control of it and just, um, you know, uh, 
and yeah, it's been a lot of work because I've had to do everything. I have to, I am responsible for all of the moving parts. And sometimes I think, oh, it'd be really nice if I had a bookkeeper and oh, it'd be really nice if I had somebody that could help me with all of the ordering or go and pick up things or whatever. But um, I haven't, I've done it, I've done it all myself. So uh, for me, it worked for a lot of people. They'd say, no, that, so that, that wouldn't work for me. So yeah. it just depends really what, what uh, you really are looking for. So I'm not a, a very uh, artistic person. I'm not. I don't know how to match colors together or anything like that. And but so what's involved? Well, actually, I don't even know. Like most of my, like everything in my house, my wife bought it. She 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 shows me this thing. Oh, do you think this will be all right? Yeah, that will be all right. And she says, I don't know how to match anything together. So I just put lots of colors and hope it works. Yes. So. <laughs> Yes. What is involved in your work? Like, do you get to a room? Do you look around? What 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 goes through your head? Yeah, it's a really interesting thing. When I went to design school, and I think it, um, and I could tell with the people that were on the course with me, there is a certain amount that can be taught. You know, as far as how to put lighting through a room and and, and the different uh, types of lighting and how to create moods and things like that. And yes, we all are taught different colors and things that are complementary and so forth. What I think is in all of life and, and as far as people that do really well and, and the people that I think are okay, I could tell on that course that there were people that had a real creative ability that was totally natural and, and it just was there and you can't teach it. You could just see they just had that natural ability and that natural gift and they just kind of got it as opposed to quite a lot of the other people in the course kind of aspire to be designers and aspire to be that but you could see they just didn't have that touch there and I, I didn't know what it is and I you know people say to me oh Heidi how do you know that works and you know you've got such great taste and and how did you know to put those things together like where did that come from and I don't know <laughs> I wish I could tell you but I don't I don't know I just just I just know when I see it and when I go down to London and I I'm picking out things and I see things I don't know. I, do, I don't know. It's just, I, I don't know. My mom always said as a child, you know, when I pick up my own clothes, you know, she said at age just six, I would be able to pick up my own things. And she said, even at that age, you could match and coordinate things so perfectly. And that all your hair ribbons and everything, you would, you would pick out exactly which ones, you know, that you wanted to wear with that dress and everything. So, um, and, you know, at the age of 11, you know, I was picking out my curtains and wallpaper and decorating my oh, wow. room. By the age of 14, I was decorating my whole parents' house. I designed everything. <laughs> So clearly, I obviously had something naturally inherent in there. I don't know. I, I don't know what it means when people say, you know, the people say to me, oh, you've definitely got an eye, Heidi. And I, I don't know what that means. But yes, I I don't know. It just some, it's something that I kind of just feel and, and I don't know why, but I just kind of know, yeah, that would work. And I think that's in rather good taste. And I think that might be quite lovely. And it generally works. Yeah, it, it somehow works because... So my wife and I, we've, we've been to Heidi's house and we've had a look around and my wife is like, I need to steal all these ideas because it looks so nice. Everything looks so nice. <laughs> oh dear. And I, I think mine's the worst. You know, you'll, you'll laugh, but um, I think it's like so many other, when you're, when you're in the profession and I look at it, I look at things all day. So when I come back to my house, 
I think, oh my God, if I have to look at another cotton <laughs> sample or things like that. So you get a bit blasé in your house. And, and then you also get this thing that you don't want your house to look like your client's house because then you're going to feel like you're in work all day because mm. you're kind of looking like that. So uh, yeah, sometimes uh, it's a bit hard, but obviously I realize that I have to kind of keep my house presented a certain way because if clients are coming by and picking up things or popping by to pick up designs or just to have a chat, I've kind of got to be in an environment where they look around and think, hmm, that's a bit nice. <laughs> or, or they might be thinking, oh. So I've kind of got to play the game to a certain degree. But yeah, you, you are, when you do it every day, you I have to say you do lose a little bit of um, impetus, uh, you know, when you come back to your own home because you just think, oh, the last thing I want to do is look at uh, door handles this weekend, you know. <laughs> you do. Hence why it's taken me like four years to try to get this house finished, uh, simply because, you know, there's it just takes such a long time to, to, to get these things done and to find the right things and to get them made and sourced. And, you know, it is, a, it is quite time-consuming. Uh, one, one other thing that I, I kept thinking, people have different tastes and people have different preferences and I mean obviously you've got good taste uh, but another person might have a slightly different version so how how do you how do you kind of like meet in the middle how do you understand how do you get them to get their rooms in the way that they would like how how does that work um yeah so uh, because of the clients that I do people sort of see my sort of taste or work if somebody wanted something uber contemporary they probably might not come to me and that because I think I wouldn't say I'm traditional but I would say I'm classic but I've got a you know I've got quite a modern twist through you know lighting mm. and, and you know yeah if somebody was looking for something ultra contemporary and stark or um i might not be the right designer and and i would be very happy to say to clients you know i I, you know in the first design meeting when i was talking to them you know i get them as much as where i'm talking i also get them to quite often when i say to clients what do you like and then they say well i don't know heidi you're the designer and i say well that you're absolutely right but i said i've kind of got to have a bit of a steer so i said okay so if they could turn that on to me then i'll sort of show them say I'll grab like images or magazines and I'll open five mm. pages and I'll sort of say, well, this design is sort of like this, this, this. And out of all those five, which one would you say you like the most? To sort of try to feel them out, to sort of see where where their sort of natural taste would be. So, yeah, it, it's just really understanding the client and, and talking to them. And, and, and then quite often, you know, they might show me some of their artwork or, you know, some of their previous homes you know, things they've had and styles they like, or they might, you know, you know, online, you know, Instagram and Pinterest is so strong that again, they'll, they'll show me things that they've seen there that um, they've found inspiring. And then we sort of take it from there. Mm. And it's, for me, it's really important to have quite a strong direction and a design brief. And we're very clear at the beginning with the client where it's going, as opposed to if they're not sure, that can be quite a it's just you know your, your outcome might might not be as successful if um, yeah. you're not very clear in the in the, the beginning stages of it because you yeah. find that you weren't on the same song sheet all along. So it's it's something that I I like to be quite reassured at the beginning that we definitely um, know what we're doing <laughs> where we're, and where we're going. Yeah. No, it, it makes sense. Have, have the right direction, right? Mm-hmm. If it feels like you you know love what you do, you like you said 
Monday morning, I'm there, I love what I'm doing. Has there ever been a point where you thought, should I take physiotherapy again? Or has that like completely crossed, been crossed out? Uh, no, I've never, I would never go back to being a physiotherapist. I never do. But obviously times come up, like when I was talking to this physiotherapist and I had this injury, and then when I talked to your wife, and I do meet other people like-minded medical professions, and I talk to them. I actually really still quite talking to them about medical type stuff, and I like talking. And I'm I'm quite into health, and so I'm quite quite like knowing about the body still, and and how injuries work, and and the the overall, you know, as we age, you know, the changes that are manifesting in our body, and how we we address those changes as we get older. So. No, I would never go back to physiotherapy, but it, it is being, you know, quite a useful tool to have in my life because it's made me quite aware of medical conditions and just um, just having that, you know, it's fantastic to take a, an anatomy course and, and work on cadavers and know the anatomically your muscle structure and, and those sort of things and, and taking physiology and understanding how the heart functions, things like that. It is quite fascinating stuff and it, it is, um, and it, it's stuff that I've, I've, I've used throughout my life to go back on, you know, when I've had things that have been wrong with me or with friends and family, you know, obviously having that medical background does give me a better understanding to those sort of things, which I think is quite nice to have. And and like I said, I still like talking to physiotherapists and having, having those sort of, you know, conversations about medical things. So... Yeah, mm. I think that's probably about as far back as I would go, or about as far <laughs> <laughs> I was going. I, maybe you know, at some point, maybe as if I retire or something, I might like to do some sort of maybe volunteer work back into that sector. That, mm-hmm. that might be something I would consider doing, maybe, and that um, that would be you know at a say at, at a sporting event like a marathon or something like that, um, that I you know might be able to be of, of some use. Yeah. You know, it, it's funny with a lot of people that I that I meet through these podcasts. They they had like this serious profession a- according to their parents or whatever, yeah. and now they they're now doing their passion and they're really passionate about those things. But you know, they're thinking about their their training. They keep that kind of like as a hobby, even though they can't really do it, but they do it for themselves. Yes. And it feels like physiotherapies also in that bucket is something that you can't go out and do on people but it's something that you can do it on yourself and you can do it on your family just to at least do the first basic things or direct people to the right uh, professional yeah I, I was a little bit disadvantaged because i took a career path that was so radically different from my education and my first career i didn't have a lot of transitional skills that i could sort of really take over because it was so different but if you were to ask any of my clients why did they go with Heidi and why do they work with me, they would. I, I would say the number one thing is oh, we really trust Heidi and that we really we really trust her what she's going to do and da 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 da. And as a physiotherapist, I think I was successful as a physiotherapist because exactly clients and patients in that case would say, oh, we really we, we really trust you, Heidi. I know you'll look after us and and. Uh, you know, we really believe in you. So I think probably it was maybe communication because I think I was quite a strong communicator in both professions that, you know, that's been quite a good skill I've been able to bring over. But apart from that, it has been, it is quite different. You know, you couldn't get anything more black and white. And that, <laughs> you know, if, if you're, say, a lawyer and then you're going over to, 
you know, work in business or something like that, you, you know, you take a lot of those skills through with you, wouldn't you, that you would still implement yeah. in your day-to-day -day life and still be able to utilize and, and uh, you know, probably very nicely work to your advantage. But I haven't had a great use for anatomy with uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at the latest lighting designs. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So uh, and that's you see that's a little bit sad really and that uh, but it is it is what it is you know mm -hmm. yeah but uh, it's like you were saying I think that those communication skills that that personable relationship that you need to have yes. as a health professional so that yes. people can trust you and people yes. are feel safe with yes. you yes that's right that is definitely something yeah yeah that's true and I think just just as a final point what advice would you give to people that want to get into your past area or your current area or maybe even you know veterinarian because you did a, a bit of a placement with that too have you got any advice or things that for people to watch out for or, or something like that so as far as somebody that's trying to make a career change and that what i would say to people i think it is I, I, you know obviously people will say you can make a career change at any point in your life i think it's pretty safe to say that it is definitely easier when you're younger so i say to people if they are thinking about changing i would i would do it sooner as opposed to later as far as deciding whether or not it's the right thing and whether to jump off that cliff by nature i'm a very cautious person and so i definitely analyzed it every which way possible and uh, you know financially it's going to impact what it's going to be and how is actually going to manage the process so you know i did think really long and hard about it before i actually did it it wasn't a spontaneous thing I don't know, you know, again, it was hard work and it was, but I did get some lucky breaks, you know, I did get pushed, you know, and as, as you said, I would never have found myself in those positions unless certain circumstances came about, forced my hand to do those things. So, you know, when people say, oh, it's, there is an element of luck in it, I would, I would have to agree with them. Yeah. It is, a, it really is a joyous moment when you, you know, even now that I've been practicing it now for, almost 15 years you know yeah there's days I get a little bit of tired at LV and I keep hearing whispers around me from my partner about retiring and what I'm going to do but I um uh, I just don't know because I still really like it <laughs> I still really like what I do and so whether or not it's something I will stop entirely or something I will always have to do I, I I've been working at it for 15 years and I still really like it and I still find it very interesting and I, I just think living life and living a life where you don't have something like that that uh, really uh, brings excitement and joy I, I think it's quite sad really or yeah. I just think I'm very fortunate that I've had that yeah I think uh, that, that's the thing with with all these people that do change their careers they, they all come back with this thing they're very glad that they did change and they're very glad that they're now do the something that they really love and that makes all the difference in the world is that like waking up at Monday morning and getting being excited about the the work that you're about to to do. Yes, yes, and I guess we all judge it in different ways. And that people, you know, some people would say it's not monetary. You know, it's just the fact is I'm doing something that I feel I'm really contributing to society, or something that I feel really strongly about, or or something that just makes me feel really good about myself. You know, we've all got different motivators why yeah. we do what we do and. Uh, what, why, you know, if you said, well, what, what is it that really makes you happy about it? There is all different uh, reasonings behind why you, you have that feeling when you um, enjoy something very much. Mm -hmm. uh, if I'm 
thinking about going to university or I'm not I'm not particularly you know, changing any career this I want to do something and I want to get into interior design what would be the path to take then when you're growing up and uh, you are naturally living your life and uh, as a child and so forth it is true absolutely true what they say that as a child you will naturally gravitate to things you are good at and things you enjoy because that's what you generally do as a child so if I was looking back at my childhood and think about what I like to spend my time doing and, and so forth, it was a no-brainer that I should have gone into design straight away because I naturally did those things as a child and, and it brought me great happiness. So I think to people it really is quite important to look back at your how you are and just generally, you know, really understand the type of person you are, which I, again, that's where I sort of didn't really kind of fully, I, I just had so little knowledge and just understanding um, and there's so much pressure for me to get to university and so much pressure for me to just choose something just mm. to go on to a course and just to go to university but you don't really understand the importance of a profession that's going to be lifelong because when you're young you just don't think in those sort of lengths of time do you yeah um, but yeah design I would say if you feel as though that's where your passions are it, I think you, it is important you do the educational background at it and that but that's me being a traditionalist but then, you know, Tiago, I'll always say, you, if you don't have it, you don't have it. So there's only so much design can teach you. But if you really don't have that flair and you don't really, you don't, you don't really have it, it you, there's nothing that's going to be able to teach you. And that, uh, yeah. Because unfortunately, in a creative environment, as you know, the, the, that's what makes it so exciting because there is elements of it that are unteachable. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think that, I think that would be um, my advice. But it's it's tough out there. It really is tough, and that uh, I don't think it's easy for, for mm. young adults and for people to forge careers like twenty years ago. I think it was a little bit easier, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we, we don't we wouldn't know unless we were experiencing it yeah. right now. Right? Yes. So just uh, no, just before we we end this, if people they're doing their house now, they want somebody to come in and decorate stuff. How do they get, reach you? Because you said you don't have a, any social media uh, at all. I don't. Uh, how do people get in contact with you? Obviously, if you just Google my name, and that you'll probably be able to find me. And and obviously, I do have a website, but it is absolutely chronic. And people say to me, I think, <laughs> I think that they say to me, I think you've never updated it. And you've never done anything with it, Heidi, because you're not encouraging people to get in touch with you. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, and maybe that's right and that uh, maybe 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 that's right and that uh, so yes for most part most people get in touch because they sort of know me by word of mouth mm -hmm. well in that case well thank you very much Heidi uh, really enjoyed the talk yeah, pleasure and best of luck and uh, yeah and I'm, I hope you enjoy your new home and oh thank you <laughs> and I can come over and help you <laughs> oh yeah all right excellent you have a good night you too. All right. Goodbye, everybody. See you on the next episode. <laughs>